The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. everybody to another episode of positive talk radio i have to tell you this is going to be a great show i feel it from my bones already uh tracy hemingway from hemingway hypnosis is here and i just love the work that she does and she's so gifted at, at uh at helping people understand a little bit better about their lives and how to live them more authentically and more real and we're going to talk later about my new program which is called authentic grit but we're going to talk about that later. But first of all, hi, Tracy. How you doing? I am great, Kevin. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to hear about your grit. I've been thinking about it all day as I was going to talk to you. So I'm excited to hear how that's going. It, it's it's very interesting. It's very interesting. And uh, But we'll talk about that later. But first of all, I want to tell everybody that if you want to follow along, you can do that by going to HemingwayHypnosis.com. And uh, she is right in smack dab in the middle of the country. And it's probably 150 degrees there. Um, <laughs> how yeah. warm is it in St. Louis? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I actually just spent two weeks in Utah where it was the same 100 degrees in Utah as the 100 degrees here. But, oh, my God, the humidity. When we say dry heat in Utah, it's, it's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> and when you say humid heat in in uh um, st louis yeah st louis it's it's really is humid my i worked for a company out of arkansas in salem springs with just a little bit south of you and uh um they, i mean i could not believe when i went there and it was like 95 degrees and the humidity was 95 degrees you you could take a shower get dressed leave your apartment or house or hotel and go to your car and by the time the heat or the air conditioning kicked in you needed another shower oh yeah uh, it's it i say it's like breathing soup uh when i lived <laughs> in orlando you'd get off that first flight to orlando and you get off and you take that deep breath in and it was just like breathing you know clam chowder it's so thick and so moist and it's like okay well you know <laughs> I bet, you know, I think it's good for the skin, good for the sinuses. I know that every time I go to Utah, I dry out so bad. So I'm always happy to get back to the humidity again. So what are we going to talk about today? What would you like to, I think we've got a great topic for you. So what would you like to address? Yeah. For us? Well, you know, you and I had talked about talking about past life regressions and life between lives, which are some of my favorite sessions to do. However, so many people call me and say, I want to have a life between life session, or I want to have a past life regression session. And I ask, what's going on? And they tell me what's going on. And I really think that the issues they're dealing with are today in this lifetime issues. 
but they're not seeing it. They got their blinders on and they think I'm doing all the things I should be doing, but I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. I'm all of these things. And, and I really kind of try to break it down and say, you've got things going on in this lifetime. Let's look at those first. And one of the things I talk about all the time is meditation and prayer. And I really find that so many people who meditate don't pray. And so many people who pray don't meditate. And why yet, is that? you know, I think it's dependent on churches, you know, growing up Catholic and Mormon and things like that. You're taught to pray, but then you're taught to get up off your knees and whew, go right back at it. And where in Buddhist traditions and and uh, different traditions like that, where you are taught to meditate and you are taught to sit in that space of silence and be contemplative, then you are listening. And that's where I think we miss is that when we are praying or setting intentions or whatever you want to call it, you're speaking to the universe, God, angels, whatever you want, word you want to give it. But And when you're meditating, you're listening. You are creating that open space for God to really talk to you and say, this is this is the direction. Let, let's go this way. But I, I find that most people miss one side of that boat. You know, it's interesting about that because my um, mother, rest her soul, uh, was a fundamentalist Christian. And for many, many years, many, many years, she thought that uh, meditation was uh, a dark science, was a dark art, and was uh, not appropriate to uh, do because, and I, you know, I never, when I was younger, I never understood what meditation was or what it meant or, or even how to do it. And uh, so I never gave it a second thought, but since I have gotten older and I have started meditating, it's a different aspect of the same thing. Um, but all you're doing is being quiet and, and allowing things to come to you and allowing the voices that, that are from the other side and, and things to come to you. And, and so I don't understand why that maybe you can help me with this because you, you grew up and you're recovering Mormon and a recovering Catholic, which is a, like a twofer. Um, so you, you are working to recover from those things, but why is that? Why do they take such a dim view of it? Because, uh, Western religion wants to be the block between you and your relationship with God. Oh yes. Yeah. You need to go through all, say our words, our prayers, do our symbols, our secret handshake, all of these things. And we are the block between you and God. And on the other side, Hindu, Muslim, and, and, and Buddhist religions, where you meditate and you spend time not only in prayer, but in contemplation of listening to the other side of prayer, it's more the opposite side of you are responsible for your own relationship with God there. And, but yeah, Western religion really likes to be without us you don't know the path. So you that, have to get the secret handshake from us to get there. That makes such perfect sense. And I hadn't really thought of it that way, but that's so true because if you don't need them because you can have a direct uh, uh, 
a direct communication with the divine all by yourself, then you don't need them for anything. Yeah, that's a that's nothing more threat threatening to a a church than you not needing them any longer. Well, that's because every Sunday, like in the Catholic faith, that it's a sin not to go to Mass on Sunday. And one of the reasons why that is is so that you can put your offering into the plate every Sunday. And that's true, but I don't know if you know, in the Mormon religion, your local bishop, your local church leader will call you in, and if you haven't given your 10%, they can cut you off of things, of being a part of going to the temple or teaching your Sunday school class. They can cut you off from those things. They, You are required to give your 10%. And if you don't, they, won't, they, they bring you in. It's called a budget meeting once a year, and you go in and you commit to what you're going to give. And if you haven't given that at the end of the year, they can, they can literally cut you off. It's kind of like the IRS. Well, you know, IRS doesn't say that God's involved, you know, <laughs> well, that- yeah, just jail is all that's involved, but you know, in your credit rating, but you know, at church, it's God, you know, it's the big guy and we're going to get between you and the big guy if you don't give your money. So so it's even more ingrained in the Mormon church than it is in the Catholic church. Believe now, it. just out of curiosity, and I, I, I really know fundamentally why they do that, but why do they do that? I mean, isn't, <laughs> but isn't this about um, your spiritual journey and your walk with the divine and living your best life and all of that rather than the nuts and bolts of keeping the church up. And, you know, the other thing is I, and I'm learning more about the Mormon religion is that, is that in a a lot of the positions of the bishops and, and the, in, especially in the local churches, those are non-paid. Those are all. Talk to me about that because uh, I have real difficulty asking for money for the work that I do because what I have is God's gifts. And I was, that was ingrained in me as a child that you do not accept money to serve God and and share the gifts that God's given you. And uh, it was a huge eye-opener to me as an adult when I went to other churches and realized that priests were paid because no one I had ever seen in a church authority space was paid. Yeah, because in, in some churches, they actually even have parsonages where you can have a place to live and then you get a salary yeah. and all of that. And in the Mormon church, it's it's not that way at all. But yet they have some of the biggest buildings and some of the most land of anybody of any church in the country. Oh, yeah. I mean, behind the Catholic church, I mean, Catholic church, boy, they have land everywhere in the world that and art that's just so valuable. But if you look at the Mormon church's leadership, all of their leadership are all independently wealthy um, because that's how they get to be in the quorum of the 12 apostles or uh, the or the prophet of the church. You can't do that unless you can afford not to have a salary. And so all of the, you know, they're called to the, to serve in those positions, but you don't get paid. And so our most wealthy people are the leaders of the church. That's just a, just doesn't make any sense to me. But then, <laughs> well, you know, it it just is what it is. And um, it, you know, I grew up in it and it was our community and your dentist came from your church and your insurance salesman came from your church and your everybody. It was 
I don't like the word incestuous, but I mean, we all, we all supported each other. It was part of, part of what we did. Well, and I, and I get it because I, it's, it's being with like-minded people and that sort of thing. But you know, the, the one thing that they were all missing in this is that there are so many people that are not part of that little tight knit community and yet they still want to figure out how to live their best life. They want to know why they're here. They want to know, is this all there is? Um, and, and so they delve into talking to someone like you who can, um, talk to them about what's happening in their life today, about past lives, about, uh, all sorts of habits that they may have that they might consider to be counter counter functional and things that they don't want to do. And, uh, but when they come to you and you ask them the question, what do you want to get or what do you want to do for, they don't have an answer. How, How can that be? You know, I'm finding it more and more that um, I always tell them that the motto of my practice is I want for you what you want for you. What do you want for you? And they really kind of get stuck. I I don't know what I want for me. Uh, I saw a great quote on social media this weekend that said people are so distracted with the next shiny thing and the next shiny thing and the next shiny thing that there's no focus for what you want anymore, which could be true. Uh, There are so many options, you know, back in the day, maybe all you ever wanted was to get out of your small town or, you know, to have a second pair of shoes or, you know, an an extra Sunday dress. I don't know. Uh, I'm thinking that way. We just went and visited Laura Ingle Wilder house here in Missouri. And, you know, you think back to her riding across the prairie and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, she died in the fifties and she rode, not only did she ride a covered wagon across the prairie as a child, but then she rode an airplane to Paris for the world's fair. (laughs) So, I mean, she did this whole big span, but what she wanted in life was very simple. Like I said, she wanted an extra Sunday dress or she wanted to not worry if the crop of apples were going to fail this year. Uh, and yet now we are so, so blessed with food and clothing and options and more shiny baubles than we could ever imagine. And then we really lose sight of what we want. And I know even as a kid, I was so envious of those people who said, when I grow up, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a pilot or I want to be all these things. And even as a kid, all I ever wanted to be was a mom. I, you know, and so I used to be envious of those people who really knew what they wanted. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I was talking with a, a lady that works with people going to college. And then I started reflecting about, you know, getting ready, them ready for their SATs and all of that so they can get into the right school. And then I started to think about how we work as far as raising kids and, and how, how we actually fall into life and the work that we do and the places that we end up, which is very often not anywhere near where we thought we were going to go. Um, so it's, 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 it's weird. Cause you know, when, when we're 18, we're supposed to have an idea and then go to college for four years or go to trade school or do something. This is how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And, I'm not sure I'm only 64 and I'm not sure I know how I'm going to spend the rest of my life yet. 
I am very blessed because I live in a family that everyone changed careers at 50. Good for them. Yeah. So everybody changed careers. My mom became a flight attendant at 48 and retired with Southwest after 22 years. My dad served five terms in the state legislature after an early retirement from corporate life. Uh, I became a hypnotherapist at age 49. Uh, I, I have a brother-in-law that became a, after being a principal and an AD, became an author and a, and a personal trainer. Um, everyone in my family around age 50 kind of backs up and says, there's got to be more than this, right? Right? If that, I think, is a universal thing. I think uh, so see, for me, it was in my early 40s. Um, but still it's a universal concept of I've, I've here, you know, by that time I'd had the management career, I'd had the picket fence. I had the two children. I had the dog. I had the wife. Well, we won't talk about that. And, but we had the, all of these things. And then you're like, okay, I checked the boxes here, 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 and here, but I don't feel fulfilled. It isn't what this isn't what makes it isn't what floats my boat, what turns my crank, how how however you want to say it. And so you you go, well, you know, might I do this? Maybe I'll try this. And and people around you go, Oh, silly boy, you you can't make any money doing that. And don't you don't you know you're you're gonna waste your life and it's gonna be miserable and stuff. I tell you, since I made the decision to pivot from corporate life to doing what I'm doing today, I have not been happier ever. I completely agree. I did the same thing and, and I love what I do. Absolutely. I witness miracles every day. In corporate world, I couldn't say that I witnessed miracles every day, but nope. I do it now. Yes, because you are to and you're taking control of your own destiny, your own life. And that's that's really is what we are all supposed to do, I think is to take control of ourselves so that uh, um, we can understand it. But the basic premise goes back to finding out about you know uh prayer and meditation and and so i gotta ask you there are there are two schools of thought about prayer uh the one the one is that you know who john edward is the psychic medium of course. yes love him yes and and he says that before he performs he does meditation and prayer which is contrary to what the religious people would say, because they're saying he's of the devil. He's, he's, he's a psychic medium. And yet, but he is contemplating prayer and meditation before he performs. Um, and, and, but there are the other school of thought is, is I can, I can pray for what I would like, but God's in control. And God is going to take, you know, I, I'm, he's, he's in control of my life and that's just the way it is. Um, I don't, I don't think that's right. Do you? Well, you know, in chaplaincy school, when I would go into the hospital room and I would ask people, what would you like to pray for? And I always loved those people that were like, I want to pray for freedom. I want to pay, pray for a miracle. It's like, great. Let's pray for that. I love that they wanted to do that because there was that defeatist side on the other side that just said, well, God's will be done. Well, guess what? God's will's always being done. Always. <laughs> and, and who are we to think that, you know, 
that we can intervene and say, nope, I want to go against God's will. But guess what? If God is that ultimate, all-loving parent that, that brought you, Kevin, into existence, not only created your soul, but cell by cell from scratch, that body was made and poof, soul and body came together. And he is this great creator of you. You're a parent. Do you want for your kids to just slouch around all day and say, your will be done, dad? <laughs> for, or, do you, for, or do you want them to go out and be happy, healthy, vibrant, change the world, be amazing? That's first of all, if my, if my kid said, dad, your will be done, I'd fall out of my chair. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and I would say, you need, we need to get you some help because that's just not the way it's supposed to be. Because no, you're right. We spend, as far as a parent goes, we spend the formative years trying to help them understand what it's like to be a human being and to do the right thing. And then with the intention at one point in time of saying, fly birdie, fly. It's up to you now. Yeah. And we brought these children into the universe. You know, I cooked three humans in my body. I made them. <laughs> and I brought them into this world to go out and change the world. Be awesome. Be amazing. Go out and be you. And be happy. Because when you're happy, the whole world you interact with is happier. And you know, there's just so many, so few parents who, you know, they really sit people down and say, please go out in the world and be happy and do your most fantastic stuff. And, you know, and so we have parents and then we have, like we talked about, church leaders who want to hold us down a little bit. And then you have teachers. And I'll tell you, I hear at least once a month, somebody got that talk of, well, the world needs ditch diggers too, son. And... <laughs> took whatever air they had in this dream and took it and like popped that balloon and had no problem doing it. It is so sad because when I was in school and maybe they're doing it now, but I kind of tend to doubt it, but they never say in, in school, when you're with your counselor or you're talking to your favorite teacher, they never say, what's your passion? What, what are you really passionate about? What do you, what gifts did you, what gifts did you get? What, who, when you came into this world and that you want to express uh, fully and completely, nobody ever says that. No. And when I get young patients, um, I'm always so excited when I get these patients that are like under 30 years old and I can really be that person for them. I'm so excited that it's like, I wish somebody had taught me this when, I was 25 instead of 55, you know, and being able to tell them that, you know, how you feel about things is important, that when you can't get in the zone, unless you're happy, nobody gets in the zone and does great work when you're miserable. Nobody gets in the zone and does great work when you're only doing what you should do. You know, no Describe. one Describe for me, when you say in the zone, what do you mean? What I mean is when you are so happy and excited about what you're doing. And it doesn't matter if it's gardening or playing basketball or reading a book or making love to your wife or praying and meditating. Whatever it is that 
puts you in that space where you say, time is irrelevant. I am just so here in the moment, enjoying exactly what I'm doing. And it feels so good to be doing what I'm doing. For me, sometimes it's baking Christmas cookies. I mean, there's nothing greater than it's snowing outside and you're breaking, making Christmas cookies and the song's on and, and you feel that way and you just get lost in time. And you cannot be in that creative, happy zone without really first being happy. Yep. I couldn't agree with you more. And so few of us, it seems to me, uh, are lucky enough to find a career, find a, a job or a pursuit that we really are passionate about, that we really love. Why is that? Well, you know, I, we get caught up in the, in the making money, but I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of sayings out there that say, do what you love and it will never feel like a job. So, you know, we get caught in this pattern of, I need to have health insurance, right? I need to, uh, I need to make enough money to, for my kids to go to the right school. I need to, whatever it is. I need to be able to make enough money so I can retire. Well, you know, if you're doing what you love, you really don't retire. You just keep going. You know, there's hypnotherapists that are 90 years old that are still doing their job because as long as you're clear up here, you can keep doing your job. And so I think that we get very caught up in trying to just feed ourselves and put a roof over our head. And I know there's, you know, I've, I've read some kind of dystopian out there, futuristic things about when we really get to the point where machinery is doing all the jobs and we have to concentrate on things that make us happy, create, creating art, doing good, helping other people, creating a space of peace. We don't know how to do that because we're so busy doing the jobs. And what, what really is going to happen a couple hundred years from now when machines can do all the jobs and we as humans are just expected to create and be beautiful, loving, amazing humans. You know, I'm not sure if we've mentioned this before. I, I've mentioned it before, but I'm not sure I mentioned it to you. The Gospel According to Gene Roddenberry. Who, who okay. is, I think you mentioned it, but I haven't read it. Yes. Well, it's, 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 that's kind of my cute little way of saying that Gene Roddenberry created Star Trek. Okay. And in, from his perspective in the 23rd century, there is no more work. Uh, we have replicators that make our food. We have things, uh, devices. We have robots to keep our houses clean. We have people that work or, or robots and things that work. So it frees us up to do what's in our heart, what's in our passion, what we really choose and what we really want to do. And money has ceased to be an issue. Right. You don't have to make a lot of money. Um, which our society seems to be hell bent on, on you, you need to make a lot of money to, you know, in, to make it work. But if you're, if you love to write and you can't make a lot of money doing being a writer, but that's what you love to do. Cause I'm willing to bet. And let, let me, let me psychoanalyze you just for a second. Please do. I'll bet you that there are days. Cause there were days for me when I was in the restaurant business, there are days when you are at the end of your day and you are, 
reflecting upon the people that you've touched and the and the thoughts that you've created and i'll bet you that you are so dang happy about what you accomplished that day that, that nothing else can top it yep but when i went when i owned a restaurant i didn't feel that way because <laughs> i have been too and i was miserable when i owned the restaurant but i will tell you here doing what i'm doing and helping people get in touch with their higher selves that there's nothing better nothing can top that getting people in touch with that part of them that is not their mind that is not their body that part of them that is their soul helping them get in touch with that part of them nothing better now when you're doing that work yeah. And you're helping people get in tune with who they really are and stuff. Do, do they instantly catch on or does it take a while? And, and sometimes they have to reflect on it and think about it. So when I work with people, I do a lot of like, take out a pen and a piece of paper. We're going to draw a map here. And because I know that not everybody learns especially for i do a lot of work on zoom and and they don't always learn audible you know that's just not the way they learn and so sometimes we need the kinesthetic of writing it down and the visual of seeing it and so i work with a lot of people um i had a young man just this morning that we actually did two different sketches because he's a very visual young man and i said i want you to put these where you can see them uh, we do one that's called the map to happiness. And then we did one about um, holding on to the funnel of fear and that we have fear in the bottom of the funnel. And then on top of that, we put sadness, you know, we're scared. He's very scared. He's not going to get better. And then on top of that, he puts sadness and he gets depressed. But then on top of that, he puts anger because in our society, anger is the one emotion that it's okay to show. You know, as a man, they don't want you to be sad and they don't want you to be scared. You can be angry, though. So on top of that, we put anger. But instead of having to like excavate down like an archaeologist and go through all the anger and go through all the sadness and then get off through all the fear in hypnosis, you know what we do? We open the bottom of the funnel and we go to the fear first. And when we address that fear and let it go, all the rest shoo, goes right through the funnel. Because the core, the core basic of that is the fear, it's the fear. and, and everything, um, plays off of that, the hate division, all of that, the, the, uh, non-acceptance of yourself, yep. all of those things. So that, so how is he doing? Is he, is he progressing? Yeah, we had, a, we had a great session today after we did that. Then we did uh, a hypnotic uh, session where we really visualized the funnel. Of, of letting go, of letting go, because he knows what that fear is. It's that fear of, I'm not going to get better. And I, I know you know, but I work with patients with uh, brain injuries. And I will tell you, I work with a tremendous amount of athletes, high school, collegiate, and professional, and semi-pro. And most of them don't see a life beyond sports. You know, that is so dang sad. Yeah. And so that is, we have to let go of that bottom of that funnel of that fear of I'm not going to get better and accept that this young man's only 20 and he doesn't know who he is without, he's like, I, I strapped on my first skates at three years old. And I hear that from so many of my hockey players. Boy, I, 
there's a lot of hockey players with brain injuries and concussions. I work with a lot and they don't see a life beyond. And so, but we have to open that funnel, but they're holding on with both hands to the bottom of that funnel saying, if I let go of the fear, then who am I? That, that, is, that is so true. Cause when you think about it, <clears throat> excuse me, a athlete, if you, if you think about all the pro athletes that are out there or the semi-pro or even the, even major college athletes, they started out when they were eight, nine or 10 and they're playing that sport and they're excelling at it and they're the best on their team or one of the best on their team. And they, and they go through their entire, they go through junior high. They're one of the best on their team in high school. They get all the girls, they get everything they want, but it's all tied to the, the sport that they're doing. And then they get a scholarship to go to college um, and whether or not they deserve to go there. Go ahead. Don't forget about being a part of a team. You have, you have instant friends and an instant social life that a lot of people work really hard to earn that in junior high and high school. And, and they, they never get there. And they never get there. And these, this group, everything about their, their emotional, intellectual, physical uh, relationships, all of those things are tied to being a part of a team so many times. And so losing that is almost as big as anything else. I remember, I remember when I, I was, I was a star football player. I don't look like it, but I was, and, uh, um, one of the, one of the better on the better ones on the team. And I remember the camaraderie that we had as, a, as those 50 guys that, that hung out together and we sweat and we bled and we won and we lost and they became, came like brothers. Yep. And then the very last game that, that we played at the end of the, my senior season, it was like you your whole world has been ripped away. Yeah. You've been amputated, cut off. Yeah. yeah. And it makes it, it makes it really hard because then you become like just a normal guy, a normal person. Cause you're no longer have got that status, if you will. Cause I got my name in the paper and all that kind of stuff. And so you have a certain status that, and you feel good walking around, but it's all tied to being a football player. It's not being tied to Kevin. Um, right. And as far as Kevin goes, it was, um, so, you know, the football ended, the girlfriend ended and all that stuff. And then you're stuck with just being just who you are. And it takes a while to figure that out. And, but I, but, and I was not a top notch guy. I can only imagine what it's like when you get, when you go to college and you are one of the top on your team and, and you're, and then you get drafted. And then you're on the football team, the pro football team. And then you're there for three and a half or the average career of a football player is only three and a half years. I believe it. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you either get hurt or you have a concussion or something like that. And then it's over. And then, and they also say that 80% of football players lose all the money that they made while they were playing football uh, shortly after they quit playing football. And, and so it's, so you got a, you got a whole bunch of folks that need help. I gotta tell you, they they do, and you know, and you think about it, Kevin. Only like probably one tenth of one percent of those eight year olds putting on cleats or those three year olds putting on skates will ever ever step onto any sort of semi professional college or professional ice or field or what hardwoods, whatever it is, you know, one tenth of 1% maybe. And, but 
everybody thinks that's them and it is really hard and they're holding on with both hands white knuckling their old self and this young man told me today i need to let go of my ego of who i was yes and i said but your ego is really important I call the ego the bridge from humanity to eternity because that ego is what sets Kevin apart from everybody else. When you're up here in peace and love and light and all of eternity, you know, you're, you're up here and you're, but we, we decided to come down in this dumpster fire. We said, sign me up. I'm going down there. I want to know what it's like to eat pumpkin pie, right? I, you remember that. I do. And so we we want, we signed up to be here. And then we hold on really tight instead of saying, what's next? What's next? What's next? Because we came down here saying that we're going to live, we're going to die, we're going to, we're going to celebrate, we're going to suffer, we're going to eat pumpkin pie and theater popcorn and, and kale salad and whatever it is. And we're going to be a part of holy living. Yep. But then we get down here and we're scared. And we're like, I don't know what I want. I'm just going to keep doing whatever anybody tells me to do. And I'm not going to ask for what I want because you know what, if you ask for what you want, Ooh, that's when you're vulnerable. Because if you've ever had a relationship with a narcissistic person, they can't wait for you to ask them for something so they can tell you no. <laughs> oh, the tangled web we weave. <laughs> <laughs> so getting people to know what they want, what they want to pray for, what do you want? And to know that it, it's achievable. Ooh, that's even scarier. You know, people are far more scared of success than they are of failure. I'll tell you that. I see it every day. I, I believe that wholeheartedly, you know. And the other thing is, is that when we get down here, and of course, we get the gift of amnesia, so we can't remember what it's like on the other side. We can't remember what we did in our past lives. We can't, not even sure that we ever had past lives. And, and we're scared to death of dying. And because that's a, a, another adventure that we're not prepared to take, but isn't that part of it in that whole scheme of things? And if you, if you're not scared of dying anymore, then you really can live. Is, am I wrong in that? No, I think that you are dead on. And when I, that's just, that's one of the reasons you look at this full circle. One of the reasons I love doing life between lives and past life regressions with people is because when you see what's on the other side, you are fearless. You know, this, this life is not so scary. Dying is just a continuation of life and you see it that way. And I love doing that. But like I said, when people reach out to me for that, a lot of times I'll give them the timeout sign and say, let's look at what's going on in the life today. I will always happily go there if some people insist. And so even with life between life sessions, Kevin, I do not do them unless they've had a successful past life regression or two. Because it makes perfect sense. Yeah, that it's so intense. And when I do a, an LBL session, it's a five hours session usually. And I will only do them in person. I don't do them on Zoom. So you have to come visit me in my office to do one. 
but it's a five hour session. And if it's, you it, can't, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's a big deal. It's a big uh, deal. It, it, can, it can be a life changing thing um, because I, I'll give you an example. Um, I've been doing this podcast for a couple, three years now. And during the course of that time, my brother's passed away. Um, my mother's passed away. Very and, close together, right? Uh, yes. One was in October. And then the, and as a matter of fact, Ooh, yesterday was her year anniversary death date. God bless you, mom. Yes. God bless you, mom. But, but because of the work that I've done with past lives and with talking to people like you and, and reading, um, journey of souls and stuff, I get, I understand that it's not over for them and that's the transition. So when people say, Oh, I'm sorry, you lost your mom and said, I didn't lose my mom. I know where she exactly where she is. She's on the other side. She's having a great time. She's now out of an, out of a 90 year old infirmed body. My brother, who had stage four lung cancer, is now well and is happy and is doing what he wants in, in, in the afterlife. And so it really makes the entire process more complete. I've listened to a lot of people that do uh, um, past that have had uh, near death experiences. Yep. When they come back, the whole thing changes for them. Yeah. They're no longer fearful of death because it's no longer an issue. Um, and that's, that's, I wish everybody could, because then see, I think that if you recognize it, yeah, one day you're going to die, but between now and then I'm going to live my life to the fullest. I think you would have a happier life. I couldn't agree more. I, I truly couldn't agree more. And I just want to say this, my husband and I, we were just talking the other day because, uh, my mom just received a really tragic diagnosis and, and we're dealing with that in our family. And my husband uh, has lost both his parents since we've been together in the last in the last decade. And he said to me, I feel closer to them now than I did when they were alive. Mm -hmm. Because he said, they come to me in my dreams. I feel like anytime I want to talk to him, I just say, hey, dad, he's right there. And, you know, I I have. I have my grandparents. Um, both my parents are still living. I love them all. But my grandparents, there are times I reach out to my grandpas. I had one that was an engineer. And when I'm fixing things at the house, I'll say, Grandpa, what do I need to do here? And I'll tell you, clear as day, he'll tell me. And and my other grandfather was a, was a healer. And and I feel him with me a lot. I, uh, I feel him with me all the time. Um, but like I said, my husband says, I feel my parents, I feel closer to my parents now that they're gone than I ever did when they were on this planet. And, you know, it's amazing that we're having this discussion. No, I take that back. It's not amazing that we're having this discussion. This discussion was preordained that we would, we would go down this road because today I got up early and was all excited about going to work and doing the stuff I needed to do. And I got a bunch of stuff done. And then, then the energy started to, to wane. And I said, well, I'm going to have a hell of an interview with Tracy today. So I'm going to uh, take a, take a little nap. Guess who showed up in my nap? Oh, did she really? In this case, it was my dad. Oh. Uh, who, who also, and he looked fabulous. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so, and I know people would say, oh, it was just a dream. And so, no, it wasn't. He, yeah. it was, he was there for me <clears throat> just to be part of my life. 
and just to let him let me know that he's there and when i go he'll be there along with my mom they might not be in the same room together but they'll, <laughs> but they'll they'll be there together and it'll be it'll be a, a, a great reunion had by all my brother as a matter of fact because of the fact that i've i've worked with life between lives and and uh past lives and so forth and i get it and i get what happens um when my brother passed away my sister called me i'm not sure if i told you this uh, my sister called me at 8 15 on a thursday morning and said randy has finally passed he was he was on his way for a period of time because he had cancer and uh so i talked to her for a little bit and then i hung up the phone and closed my eyes and my brother used to have um the most gorgeous head of red auburn hair and i so i went to sleep for a little bit and i and and during the dream that i had there was a room full of people and i saw the center of it all was i never saw his face but the center of it all was this guy that had the hair exactly like my brother. And they were all, there were like 30 people in the room. They were all congratulating him and they were all around him and stuff. And I, I took that as a sign that that was actually him being welcomed onto the other side. Job well done, Randy. Job well done. Exactly. And, uh, and, and so, you know, then that's why in my opinion, uh, past life regression and especially life between lives is really, really important. If you would like to live here a hundred percent and full on yep. and with what I call authentic grit, if you want to do that, then you need to understand the entire scope of how it all works. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like there's the dimensions and there's the Palladians and then there's a, this and then there's the unicorns and there's a, you don't have to go that deeply, but yeah. on, a, on a real basic level, you just need to understand that, that, uh, and how it all works and that we are all, we, that, that you've got a, a group of people that are surround you that are with you always. Um, you've got your guides, you've got the, it's just, it's a, it's a marvelous experience to go through that. Um, and, and I know that you have people that have, they cry, they have life changing experiences. They get to meet people that, uh, they didn't think that they would ever see again. That must be really cool for you to do. It is, like I said, I witness miracles every day and it is an amazing thing to be able to do. And when you can live fearlessly and i'm i'm like you i've read so many nde books and uh i loved raymond moody back in the 70s he was one of the first ones that talked about his he called them m&m children he worked in a pediatric cancer ward and the children that died and came back he called them m&ms because they were miracle makers and every one of those children told him i had the choice to come back and I truly believe that we all get that choice. I, I think that death really, I, you know, there's that scripture that says, no one knows the time of your death. I really think we have a, a good idea. And, mm -hmm. you know, I will tell you, working with hospice, working in hospitals, people don't like to die with an audience. 
It's kind of like going to the bathroom. They just don't want to do it with an audience. And that's why you hear all the stories of, we only stepped out to, for coffee for 30 seconds and he died while we were gone. They don't want to die with an audience. And, you know, there's, we have a lot more control than we think that we do. And I, I, I see that all the time. Just, I mean, just last week I saw that of a woman actively dying who just held on until her oldest daughter could make it two and a half more hours and then held on for two hours for her daughter to make it. And, but she was not going to go until her daughter made it back into town to say goodbye. That okay. is, that, that is so cool. But it happens. It happens all the time. And that's another reason of like, don't be scared of it. If you really want to come back, you can. But I will tell you, one of the things I've told my children and my spouse is that if you die and get on the other side and you want to stay, don't come back for me. I'll understand. And I give them that freedom. Don't come back for me. I understand. Go, go live, go live that next chapter and I'll see you soon. So, uh, I know that might sound a little morbid, but to me, it's a gift that you can give to your loved ones to say, it's okay. If you cross over and don't want to come back, I'll understand. When my dad passed away, he was, he had, uh, his second lung cancer surgery. So he was in the hospital and, uh, he had a stroke and he had a brain bleed. And th that happens from time to time when you're, when you have a major surgery like that. And so it kept getting worse and kept getting worse. And so he, it got to the point where he couldn't swallow and he couldn't talk and he was partially paralyzed and everybody left the room, uh, at one point. And so it was just he and I, and I said, dad, you know, I know you can hear me and please, you have my permission. You have all of our permission. Go, go live your life to the fullest on the other side and just, and it's okay. And sometimes, you know, I think people that are, that are on their deathbed, that they're, they're concerned about others and their, the grief that they're going to go through and all of that, rather than doing what they should do. And just, we should just let them go. In my hospice training, that's one of the things that we're taught in hospice is when they are actively dying to give them permission to die. That each and every family member that's there can say, it's okay to go. And again, the miracle happens that as soon as they get that full permission, they, they go. And if you've got one holdout screaming, daddy, don't die, daddy, don't die. It's amazing how, how that body will hold on until they can get that permission that it's time to go. We had one of those and he wanted, he wanted uh, my dad to wake up and, and so that um, he could convert him to his form of Christianity and, and stuff so that he would be saved. I want to say, I'm, and, uh, and Hey, so if you're Mormon, you get baptized when you're dead. So, you know, just be Mormon <laughs> and then we don't have to worry about it. So I had no idea. Really? Oh, really? What do you think they do in the temple? They, they do work for dead people. So that they can all have the Mormon secret handshake to move on. Oh, yeah. oh I had no idea. Yeah. So I suppose that's a good idea. I, I, <laughs> Why I, do you think they do genealogy? Good point. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a really good point. You know, and I I will tell you, um, I work with a gal by the name of Holly. I'm not sure I told this story to you before, um, because <clears throat> my mother died on July 17th of last year. And uh, my sister, who's older than me, 
is the one who was responsible to take care and make the arrangements and all that. And uh, she wanted me involved. And so uh, we said, okay, well, um, she picked a funeral home that she was familiar with and the gal that was the director who she was familiar with and, and liked and, um, and said, okay, well, we're going to have a zoom meeting and talk about the arrangements for mom, um, on this day and time. So I, and then she calls me an hour before and says, um, she can't make it, but she's going to have somebody else sit in. So I had no idea. So we get on the zoom call and this other person gets on the zoom call. Her name happens to be Holly. Um, and we start talking about, I'm, I was dressed like I am with my headphones and stuff. And she said, well, what do you do? Well, Henry, how are you spending your time? And I said, well, I do a podcast and stuff. So we start talking about that. Turns out that Holly's been working with me now for since, since that time, she had just finished her bachelor's degree in business. And, uh, she's been working with me since like October. Um, and I firmly believe that my mother orchestrated that and set that up for us to meet so that we could work together because it's, we formed a, a, a really good friendship and, and, and that's, I believe how the other side works with us. Oh, absolutely. And I, and you, I know that you see it all the time. You see such, such uh, synchronicities and such positive stuff and such, I can't believe that this happened because <laughs> you know, what a coincidence. How could that be? And then none of, none of that is true. It's all by, by divine design. That's my yes. belief. I, but I also believe we have a choice. Yes. And we ask. And when we ask, it is given. Uh, there's a whole theory about angels that they cannot intervene until you ask for help. That you can be drowning in the ocean and they can be surrounding you. But until you say, angels, help me, they don't intervene. Uh, because we are given free will on this earth to decide what we want. And... But most of us feel like we are not worthy of asking those angels for help. So we don't. And most of us don't believe that free will exists. That's a whole nother topic, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because if, you know, I had a conversation with a guy one time and I, and I said, do you believe in free will? And he says, well, you know, if if there was free will and we could do anything we wanted and there were no consequences for what we were doing, we would be partying and we would be crazy. And we would, and I, I said, I beg to differ. I don't believe that's true. I, I don't think, think so either. I think that all of us have the free will to do whatever we want. We just choose to follow someone else's path because it's easier. Carving your own little path is, is not as easy as some people might think it is. No, it's, it, it, it's hard. And it, it, it requires authentic grit. Exactly. The path less traveled, you must have authentic grit to step onto it because it's always going to be uncomfortable. I even made an acronym out of, out of grit. So talk about it. Let's talk about it. I would love, I would love to, I've got it right here. Cause I've been, I've been uh, keeping it. Um, um, th this is how I came up with this is, is because one of the, one of the things, and because you've worked with a lot of professional athletes, mm -hmm. you know, that, one of the one of the attributes that an athlete has is that coach Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks they they value that very highly on their list of can he run can he jump but also does he have grit does he stick with it is he willing to not give up and and stuff so they use grit i have added authentic grit because grit can be one of two things you can have grit but you can also be a, a lousy human being 
because you're not going to give up and you're going to do whatever you want to do and you can be a narcissist and you can so you're going to you're but authentic grit is when you really are are working within yourself to better yourself and to help people around you and so i'm so my authentic grit is that g stands for gratitude <clears throat> always developing personally professionally and spiritually r is for resilient you never quit you have strength of character you're positive you're passionate and you're humble indomitable spirit hardiness excellent of purpose powerful kind and honest and tough mentally determined hardworking, courageous and creative um that's that's so when i look at leading your life in a positive more fulfilling way i think that a lot of if you can touch on a lot of what is in here and you can work on being kind you can work on being courageous you can work on your hard work you can be work on being as ex, being excellent at who you are uh, and stuff it, it becomes a big deal what do you think i think that's amazing you know we are all built to be extraordinary but it's usually too scary but when you're grateful and you're resilient and you have an what an abominable spirit is that what it was indomitable spirit indomitable yes, spirit when you know love it embrace it be bigger you know i mean god in matthew they said don't put your light under a bushel and yet 90% of people i know are really comfortable hiding under the bushel be bigger than that be that light be i love it i love it and being tough is about getting out from under the bushel and lighting the way for so many others and i appreciate that's what you do every day i, I try i really do try i know it's you do <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've been you've been on the show uh, many times and you're destined to be on the show many more times because i feel like you and i have a connection we understand uh what what life is really the potential for life is and how we can we how people can exercise it and to live life completely and you're wasting your time if you don't do that don't you think oh i do i do we get so caught up in keeping up with the joneses and the kardashians and and all that nonsense and and we just can't keep up with them you know and and we weren't created to be that person. And, you know, I, I love in Course in Miracles, there's a, a saying that says, whatever gifts you've been given, never doubt them because they were given to you directly by God. I got to ask you, that brings up a really interesting point in the people that you talk to. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people will poo-poo their own gifts because they're their gifts. Yep. And if, if it comes easy to them, it can't be uh, a special thing but it can really, it can be a special thing. Um, but just because it comes easy to you doesn't mean that you don't work at it and develop it and become excellent at what it is. Um, but do you have a lot of people that say, Oh yeah, I can, I can sing, but that's not a big, nobody, you know, I, I don't think that'll be any good and all that kind of stuff. Do you get people like that? I do. And, you know, it was interesting. I, I was spent the last two weeks trying to help my mother move into um, assisted living. And I jokingly said that all of my siblings can sing, they can dance and they can play an instrument. And I can't do any of those. But my talent is I can get you ready to move. 
<laughs> and let me tell you, there are a lot of seniors that need me, that need that talent of somebody who can come in and, and help you determine what's really important and help you get ready to move. Um, you know, you they could have played the piano and sang and danced through the whole thing, but I was there doing what talent I had. And even though I might poo-poo it, it's something none of my, I have five siblings, none of them could do it as well as I can. So that was, that's my talent. And believe it or not, we have a lot of weird talents out there. You know, I, I always joke and say, I gave all of my guitar playing talent to Dave Grohl and you're welcome universe. Cause I gave it to him. <laughs> uh, but I have talents that are different. And when I was in high school and I couldn't be in all the talent shows that my brothers and sisters were in, you know, it was very heart-wrenching to me that I couldn't sing and dance like all the rest of them could. However, I had a different talent. And what I do is very different from what they do. And it's about saying, okay, getting people to, ready to move is, is a talent. And you know what? It's a great talent. Not everybody has it. But what you do is so impactful <laughs> for the people that you touch. I, I get people ready to move theoretically. It's time to step out of the trap, this, this bedroom that you close the door and pull the covers over your head and you're just going day by day with the covers pulled over your head. And it's, I'm the one that helps you get ready to move, to change, to move forward, to grow. That's what I do. If you want to talk to Tracy Hemingway, you can go to Hemingway Hypnosis and HemingwayHypnosis.com. And um, I highly suggest that you do that. If, if you feel like you have the need or you're just idly curious about where you were before. But by the way, in a past <laughs> in a past life regression, do not go into it thinking you, in a past life, you were Cleopatra. Or <laughs> that, or, or that you were uh, Julius Caesar. Or you're going to end up, most of the time, it's going to be, you're going to be a farmer in, uh, in Uruguay that is trying to eke out a living and have a family and stuff like that. So have you, have you had anybody claim to be a famous person that you've uh, uh, taken back? Um, so I did have somebody who saw herself as Judas. Um, and Ooh. it was more the... The feeling she had about herself of not doing, of really, she's been, was going against her family's religion and she wanted a past life regression and she really saw herself as Judas. Um, and we really talked about that the deeper level of that, her subconscious was trying to show her, you know, I'm sorry, but Judas was honestly doing what he thought was best. They were rebels. He was the head rebel. He wanted Jesus to like lead the force. So if any of you have ever really done Bible study and know that Judas was a rebel and he was just trying to get Jesus to like mount the shield and lead the rebellion. And, you know, there are lots of Star Wars references in there. You know? <laughs> yes, there are. And that was the thing was that was what Judas was trying to do. But she saw herself as Judas. And when we really broke it down afterwards and talked about being a leader of the rebellion, and she is very uncomfortable in being rebellious against her parents. And we're talking she's in her 40s, but she's very uncomfortable with that position. 
And so not only did we do that session, but then we really talked about what it meant to her to be Judas. And her subconscious mind will show her what she wanted to see. And so as far as fame, that's about the biggest, <laughs> the biggest one I've had so far. But then when we really broke it down about her rebelling and wanting to take up the shield of the rebellion, uh, it, it put it all in a different light. And it does indeed. It does indeed. You know, when my mother passed, it, she was a fundamentalist Christian. And so we had many, 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 did I say many? Many <laughs> arguments about about uh, uh, life after death and about, you know, what, what we're doing here and why we're here and, 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 and you know, even, even, you know, issues of the day, like, like abortion, you know, abortion and all of that. And uh, when she passed, uh, I had a, several months later, I had uh, one of my friends that's a psychic medium. Um, and I said, is she surprised? <laughs> Maybe she... for a moment, but not too long. <laughs> and and he made the statement, well, she's, she's telling me, what are all these people doing here? <laughs> <laughs> There's only supposed to be 120,000 of us that made it through the... Uh... The eye of the, the, the eye of the of the needle and, and whatever else you have to do. And it's like, why is he, why is he here? He you know, and, and so she recognizes now that that uh God is nothing but love and God loves all of us and he wouldn't throw any of our children his children away. Never, never. And just wants ooh, just wants us to be healthy and happy. What do we need to do to be more of that? That's what he wants. That's right. And by the way, if you haven't noticed, ladies and gentlemen, this life is hard enough. You yeah. don't need to make it worse than it is. And and it's also can be a terrific playground. Oh, yeah. We chose to come here. We really chose it. So what are you choosing to experience? <laughs> I'm sure there are people that are listening to that going, oh, hell no, I did not. <laughs> That's why I always say we chose this dumpster fire. You just get to choose what you want to do with it. You know, warm yep. yourself by the light of it or dive right in and, and talk about how much it hurts and how much you hate it. You know, it's you have your choice. And and one of the bigger choices you have is to be kind to everybody that you meet. And I, rec I, I really recommend that if if you will just smile at somebody, you know, you might even have to pull your mask down, but smile at somebody and say hello and be genuine about it. You can affect somebody's day and the energy that is surrounding you would be would be nothing short of a miracle. Absolutely. So Tracy Hemingway has been our guest. I could talk to you for hours, but I've talked to you for an hour already. I know. I know. I'm looking at the clock ticking up here going, we're going overtime here, Kevin. <laughs> well, you know, it's, 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 it's hard for me to put you down quite frankly, because when I, when I start, when we start talking about this and start talking about philosophies and stuff, um, it, it, you really strike home because, and you really are doing incredible work and I really appreciate you. Well, and I appreciate what you do, getting all this information out there, because we, you and I need to be louder. And we need more of us to we have need more uh, of us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, to to raise our voice and and to really work together. And and we're going to do that one person at a time, one yep. person at a time. So. And that's how I feel every day. I feel like each patient I see, each client I see, it's one person at a time. And you know, I had a, I had a patient recently say, why are you not famous? You explain things better than anyone has ever heard. 
And I said, it's just not my calling. And, and, and I said to him, honestly, I just don't have the time to do the marketing. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now, can I, one of the things that we are doing is we're putting together uh, uh, shorts for um, uh, YouTube and for Instagram, which is kind of new for us. Oh, and uh, can I create one for you based upon I, this show? I would love it. I would love it. I, I, everything that we do together is a miracle as far as I'm concerned. So spread right. miracles, Kevin. Well, you're awfully kind, and I want to thank you again. By the way, this is uh, we've been talking with Tracy Hemingway. Go to HemingwayHypnosis.com. Find out all the information about her. She's got several shows up. All of them are different. They We just let it roll, and we end up talking about something different every time. And mm-hmm. I believe that's also divinely inspired. Yeah, it's so. all divinely inspired. We're all alive and living, living the life, Kevin. And thanks again for being here. HemingwayHypnosis.com is where you want to go. And uh, and she's there for you. She's got a wonderful smile. She's got wonderful energy. And she will take care of you. Um, she might not let you off the hook quite as easy, but <laughs> she'll take care of you. Yep. No, off the hook is not where you want to go. You want to just dive in. So let's go. That's it. Thanks yep. again. Stay right where you are. I'll be right I back. Will. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we got.